Son of Man comes, will he find faith on earth? That's a haunting question. With us these last couple of months, you know we're working our way through the book of Acts. If this is one of your first times with us, or the first time, uh, what we're doing is we're reading a chapter or looking at a chapter in the book of Acts, uh, one per Sunday, and we're going through and seeing what uh, God has in store for us there. Um, what we've been discovering is that God is working in the church by the power of the Holy Spirit. Uh, from the very beginning, uh, that the Holy Spirit was what energized the apostles for their first preaching in the city of Jerusalem. It's what energized them to stand up boldly when persecuted, to perform signs and wonders. It's the Holy Spirit that told folks to get serious about being honest and get serious about uh, their service. And, and so the, the Holy Spirit has just been wrapped around everything uh, that we've been reading. And that's going to happen again uh, this morning, and I hope you see that with me. Uh, in just um, a few minutes as we um, turn to the book of Acts. Uh, what I've been finding, though, is that the book of Acts is filled with amazing people doing amazing things. I mean, it, Peter and John, you know, giving the, the, the man born lame and healing him and you know, walking and leaping and praising God and and, and preaching with such power. But uh, I find the Bible's filled with amazing people doing amazing things. You know, whether it's Abraham or Moses, patriarchs and King David and, you know, and all these, these, these folks that um, when I was growing up we were taught to admire uh, in, in our Sunday school classes. So the, the Bible is just filled with all these people doing uh, amazing things, just amazing folks doing amazing things. And what I can tell you is from uh, as long as I can remember having grown up in the church, um, I found it hard to relate. I really did. I, I found it hard to relate to, uh, to these folks doing amazing things because I wasn't doing anything amazing. Um, and this started very early in my life. My boys like to make fun of me that uh, I was a child prodigy theologian. But eight, at the age of seven, <laughs> but I can remember at the age of seven sitting in the First Baptist Church of, of San Diego, California, and uh, wondering about this guy named Abraham because the pastor kept saying that God spoke to Abraham. God said, Abraham, leave your family and her and hightail it out and go someplace, I'll show you and all that. Then God said, and then God said, and I didn't know any better. I was just seven years old. I'm thinking to myself, how does that happen? I mean, seriously, how does that happen? Is, is that like the voice, the Hollywood voice coming out of the heavens down? Abraham, ham, ham, ham. <laughs> this is God, God, God speaking to you, you, you. I want you to know, no, 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 that today I consider you, 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 the luckiest man, man, man on the face of the earth. Did anybody get that illusion? Any baseball fans here at all? Okay. But, uh, all right. Uh, if you didn't get it, ask your neighbor after church. But the, uh, the, the, the thing is, I was trying to figure out as a kid, how does this happen? Does, is it an audible voice that comes to Abraham and he just sits there and he listens to, to God in an audible voice? Because that never happened to me. 
I mean, there were voices that came to me, but usually it was dad in the other room. You know, boys, cut it out. I don't care what you're doing. Stop it. You know, that kind of thing. But, uh, uh, but for God to speak to me, that never really happened. And then I wonder, what, was it like a voice in his head now, that he was listening to? Folks, I haven't heard voices in my head ever since my therapist gave me medication. But, you know, and, and I just don't hear those voices rolling around in my head. So I can remember as a very young child asking myself, because I wasn't going to ask anybody else, um, but, uh, you know, just wondering, how does this happen? Abraham is this amazing man doing amazing things, but that doesn't happen that way in my life. And then we get all these great stories and these great testimonies about wonderful people of faith, usually missionaries, who, you know, came up against opposition and, and through prayer and through a word, and they just struck down and smote the somebodies, and, and you know, and, and everything worked out great. And I'm looking at that and saying, I can't even get my locker open at school. <laughs> I mean, how does this work? That these amazing people are doing amazing things, and yet in my life, I, I think I'm okay. Look, I grew up in church. You know, I figured you grow up in church, you obey all the rules. Some of you grew up in church, you know what I'm talking about, don't you? If you didn't, don't worry about it. But if you did, you know what I'm talking about. You, you, know, you, 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 you go to church and, and you're not only there Sunday morning, but you're there Sunday night. That was a tough one. Walt Disney's Wonderful World of Color was on at Sunday nights and we never got to see it. You know, but, it but, but I'm not bitter. So anyway... You know, but, but we're the guys in church, and it really should be working out for us, and it isn't. You know? We're not committed to this thing. We're even singing hymns out of the hymnal. I mean, so much so that I know the bass lines better than I know the melody lines. You know, when I sing, I, I, I'm looking for the bass line. I, you know. So you obey the rules, you go to church, you do all this stuff. And you're hearing about amazing people doing amazing things with an amazing God, with an amazing faith, and you're thinking, well, I, I think I'm in on that just a little bit, but it's not working out. Because the, the problems come and the, and the difficulties come anyway, and you still have these insurmountable uh, uh, sort of challenges to your life that you just can't get over them. And you know, other people can because they're amazing people doing amazing things. But in your own life, you don't see any amazement. You know, you, you, you're just not that impressive with it. Does anybody share that experience? Because you know? you're figuring, I, I put my trust in God, I believe in Jesus, I go to church, read my Bible, and yet still my heart is being torn apart. Family's breaking up. The health is bad. I see more of the doctor than I do of my, you know, my brothers and sisters, you know. Uh, you know, the finances are going down the tubes, the, the children are off in a far country, and you're, and you're trying to figure out why is it that it works for some people and it's not working for me? There's, there's this thing where, where we just don't feel amazing. And then somebody shows us the Bible and says, here's amazing people doing amazing things, just latch on to God and amazing, amazing things will happen. And you're, you, you want that to be true, but it's hard to see it happening. It's hard to see it happening. Well, I think in the book of Acts, we get sort of a clue on how to deal with that uh, and uh, um, just sort of a, an insight into how this might be working, okay? Um, I'm going to start at verse 14 again. The apostles at Jerusalem, they heard Samaria had received the word. They sent Peter and John, came down, prayed for them. They were coming down to check out the church to see 
if, uh, and to see the extent to which they were um, uh, resonating with the gospel and, and just sort of working that out in their lives. And the scripture says, and they prayed for them that they might receive the Holy Spirit. Why would they do that? Because they didn't see the Holy Spirit at work in that church. Now, this is a passage of scripture that theologians love to argue about. You know, I, I remember, you know, for me, it was in, in my college years, you know, the Charismatics were coming along, the Pentecostals were over here, and, and the Baptists, well, we were, we were up top up here, no. But, uh, <laughs> no, but we, we had to argue this thing because it all had to do with when do you receive the Holy Spirit, do you have to speak in tongues, when is the baptism of the Holy Spirit, you know. And, and being college kids, especially in our sophomore years, we, we, we had to nail it all down and get the system down and all that other business. And so we argued about, you know, were they really saved? No, they weren't saved. They didn't have the Holy Spirit. But, but no, maybe they had the Holy Spirit, but they didn't really have the Holy Spirit. You know, okay, folks, here's what I think is going on. You cannot be saved apart from the Holy Spirit of God. You would never come to God unless his Holy Spirit dragged you into the kingdom. You wouldn't. That's what, that's what the Bible says. The Bible says that, that you know, look at the wind. You, you, you can't tell where it came from. You can't where, tell where it's going, yet you know it's there. It says that's the way salvation is. That's what it means to be born of the Spirit. It's, it's something you can't really explain, but the Holy Spirit gets a, a, a hold of you. Jesus taught us that it's the Holy Spirit that brings that conviction of sin that says, yeah, I know something's wrong. I, I, I know that I, my life needs changing. The Holy Spirit gives us the courage of faith to step up and say, Jesus Christ is Lord. I believe he died for my sins. It's the Holy Spirit, Paul tells us in Romans, that, that uh, gives us that, that assurance that we are the adopted children of God. And so we cry out. You remember, Abba, Father, that is the work of the Holy Spirit. So you don't come to Christ apart from the Holy Spirit. So with these folks, they came, and then it says they were baptized. Well, I'm suspecting that what they did, they came and they said, you know, Jesus Christ died for my sins, and Jesus Christ is Lord of my life, and I want to identify with him. And so Philip baptized them in the name of Jesus. I think what's happening here is they didn't quite understand how big this thing was that they were getting into. And so when Peter and John come along, they see these folks who love Jesus who are connected to him. They see the work of the Spirit in establishing the church. They don't ask them to get baptized all over again. But what they notice is that the Holy Spirit hasn't fallen upon them and taken possession of them in a sense that, that their lives are being conducted in the power and in the guidance of the Holy Spirit. Now, here's what I do if I'm Peter or John. I, I would go in there and say, wow, they don't, they're not living by the power of the Holy Spirit. They look like a bunch of Southern Baptists. They don't even know there was a Holy Spirit. They heard about it, but they didn't think it was for them. But, you know, so I'm looking at that. Here's the first thing I do. I get a committee together. You know, I get some folks together. Let's talk about this. What's the problem with this Holy Spirit? Well, let's define our terms. Let's figure out what the problem is. Give me some proposals for the answer to it. Put it in a red folder. No, green folder. And, uh, and, and the, the proposal come to me in a green folder, and that's fine. Then I'll put it in a red folder, and we'll go ahead with it, or it's vice versa. I forget which, which folder is which. Yeah. This is how Debbie and I run our marriage. But anyway, <laughs> so. But I want a program. I want a program. I want some kind of procedure that will energize the church 
you know, maybe if we change things around, maybe if we sing better songs, or maybe if we, uh, you know, have, have a more lively discussion, maybe the guy gets out of the pulpit, comes down to the floor, you know, maybe something will, will cause this, 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 uh, this Holy Spirit guy to kick into gear if we can just procedure our way to it. And we have this idea that, that, that that's how it's going to happen. But in point of fact, what Peter and John did, they said, well, let, let's just pray for you because this is something God's going to do. And they prayed for him, laid their hands on him, said, you know, receive the, this power, receive this direction, receive this, this encouragement, receive this, this work of the Holy Spirit. And it says, and the Holy Spirit came. The Holy Spirit came to them. And at that point then, the church is being uh, transformed. Now, look, it wasn't like they were a bad church. They had a lot of enthusiasm. Here's how I know that. If you look up, up a little bit, verse 8, I think it is. Um, yeah, that's good. Well, look at verse 7. <laughs> I was going to go up to 6. And then, but no, verse 7, it says, uh, this is after Philip is preaching to them before John and Peter comes. It says, unclean spirits crying out with a loud voice came out of many who had them. Many were paralyzed, who were paralyzed or lame, were healed. So there was much joy in that city. You see, if church is all about good feelings and joy and happiness and celebration and everything's wonderful, this church had it. It's just like if you think the Christian life is all about just being happy and giddy all the time and, and joyful all the time and just, you know, no, nothing bothers me, you know, that, 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 that kind of thing, you, you're going to miss the point. This, these folks, they had the joy and they had the manifestations of the power of God. They had demons being cast out and they had people being healed. They had all of that, but what they didn't have was a reliance upon the Holy Spirit. And as a consequence, this was a group of believers who were sort of on the fringes of what God could do in their lives and would do in their lives. So like we are now, you know, we come to church, we know there's something called the Holy Spirit. We know in our heads, you know, I'm a believer, so the Holy Spirit's there. Hey, that's great. But frankly, we're just sort of getting through this thing and enduring rather than experiencing and living what God has for us. Yeah. I know that's true. Yeah. I mean, that's, I've, I've done this. I'm, look, I know how to come to church and get through it. Do you have survival techniques for church? Oh, come on, admit it. You know, be honest about this. You have survival techniques. One of them is I arrive late after the singing starts. No? Nobody there? Okay. Um, and another one is, you know, I, I know how to get through the sermon. I shouldn't tell you this, but I know how to get through a sermon, so it doesn't really have any impact on you. But, but you have to do it clever so, so you don't get uh, uh, called out on it. You know, don't do the absolute, <laughs> you know, thing, you know that, that won't do it. And here's what you do, okay? If you need help, here's how you get through the sermon. You put your head like this. this. This says, I'm really interested and I'm thinking, okay? And then you squint for a while because then, then I can't see the pupils of your eyes. And then when your eyes close, I can't tell what you're doing. I think you're thinking, okay? <laughs> Works like a charm. Right. One of my favorites is uh, to take the bulletin. We still have bulletins. So you take the bulletin and you start filling in all the O's. <laughs> all right? And when you run out of O's because the sermon went over time, you start filling out the, the little zero part at the bottom of the sixes and the nines. And you fill in. I'll tell you why this one is good. This one is really, really good because as you're doing that, it looks like you're taking notes. 
Yeah. And I think you're really engaged with that. And all you're doing there is saying, when is this thing going to be over? <laughs> you know, I, sh I shouldn't tell you this, but I will. You know, I, I was kind of a... Well, we didn't have nerds back when I was uh, coming up, but uh, we, we did have kids who did nerdish kinds of things. Uh, I can remember it in, in church. When I, when I was growing up in church, we had little tote boards up at the front. You don't know what tote boards. What, what, what they are is they're, they're boards that have the hymn numbers on them. You know, what hymns you're going to sing, the, the hymn numbers. Then sometimes it would have the Sunday school attendance and the offering. All right. And I would look at those tote boards. I, I'm sorry, folks. I would look at the tote boards and I'd try to figure out, is that a prime number? <laughs> I don't remember anything the pastor said, but I learned prime numbers. So. But this is what we do. We come around the edges and we sort of shift into neutral so we can just kind of get through it and... The word doesn't really penetrate and the spirit doesn't really get a hold of us. And we wind up living ordinary lives as an ordinary person and we keep thinking, well, the, the, the real you know, depth of Christian life is for amazing people doing amazing things. And what I want to tell you this morning is that the Christian life is about living an ordinary life as an amazing person. An ordinary life as an amazing person. Because as a believer in Jesus Christ, the problems are still going to come. They're still going to come, you know. Um, God, in his wisdom, he could protect you if you ran across the, the, the beltway at rush hour. Well, at rush hour, nobody's moving. You're not going to get hurt then. But, okay, at, at the tail end of rush hour when people are starting to accelerate, you know, you could, you could play and, 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 you know, and throw, you know, just stand in, 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 in the beltway right around that time. You know, and God could keep the cars from hitting you. He could do that, but more than likely, somebody else is sinning against God and they're going to hit you. Okay. Won't be their fault, be your fault. You know? If you collide with a virus, you're going to get sick. Yeah. If, if your DNA was, was just sort of messed up a little bit, lo, those many years ago, and there was a little ticker in there, and the doctor says cancer, it's, it's going to happen. Marriages, you've got two human beings, two imperfect human beings trying to, to fit together what can't be fit together, and it's a work, and it's hard, and sometimes the marriage breaks up, and sometimes the home breaks up, friendships break up, you know, the finances go south. This is going to happen. You know, a lot of what we do is that ordinary stuff in life, but we can go through it as amazing people. Because what I can tell you is that if you have Jesus Christ in your heart, if you have asked Jesus Christ to be Lord of your life and to forgive you of your sins, you have the Holy Spirit of God within you. What does that mean? That means God himself is present in you. This seems to me like it should be a game changer. No, it should really kind of alter the way we're going through things and the way we're, we're handling things because we know that as I'm going through it, doing the, the, the best I can under the leadership of the Holy Spirit, and I get some things right and I get some things wrong, but through it all, the Holy Spirit is working in my life to bring glory to the Father. And as the Holy Spirit works in my life to bring glory to the Father, then nothing that's happening to me is lost. 
None of it is, is meaningless and pointless. All of it has a purpose to bring glory to God. And the Holy Spirit is doing that work. And so from the outside, people are looking at my life and they're saying, well, that, that's just about the way I see everybody else's life and it just looks like an ordinary life. But when God looks at it, he says, what an amazing life because my Holy Spirit is in this child of mine and my Holy Spirit is working in this life for me. And so your life was transformed by that and, and, and we're not bogged down uh, so much by it. This, by the way, is the... Wow, this, this is like the, the, the key difference in Christian living. Think about it. Most of the people you know believe in God. They also believe in stuff, right? They believe in God and stuff. And, and you know this because if you ask them, you say, do you believe in God? They say, yeah, I believe in God and stuff. No? That, that's what it is. It's, it's a great theology. Most people believe in God. They have no contact with him. They have no surrender to him. They have no real investment in him because it's just God and stuff. A lot of the folks you know believe in Jesus. Yeah, he was a great guy, wonderful teacher, uh, admirable sort of guy, uh, you know, like, like this Jesus fellow you're talking about, but their lives haven't been transformed because they haven't been, uh, uh, you know, fallen in love with him and been, been brought into the body. It's the Holy Spirit that makes a difference. You won't find your... your uh, unsaved friends, your non-Christian friends, you won't find them saying, I believe in the Holy Spirit of God transforming my life. You just, you just don't hear that. This is the key aspect of living the Christian life. It's a wonderfully um, liberating thing to know that when God calls us to live for Christ, to go through the trials and tribulations of life for his glory, that when we are called to do that, he gives us the resources of the Holy Spirit so that we can bring him the glory. It's not like we are doing it. It's God working in us and through us. You ever hear, you see that verse, greater is he who is in me than he is in the world? You know that verse? What are we talking about? Who's in you? Well, Jesus is in me. God is in me. That's absolutely true. Trinity alert. We're talking about the Holy Spirit of God. That is the one who empowers. That is the one who guides and leads. And so when we say, you know, Jesus is in my heart and Jesus is in my life, that's, that's the way of saying the Holy Spirit is working. Now, the Holy Spirit doesn't bring attention to himself, so that's why we don't really talk about him uh, that much. But we are called to um, sort of be, be motivated and surrender to and be led by the Holy Spirit of God. So that, that's, that's where we are. And so what I can tell you is you are an amazing person in Christ when you accept Christ as your Lord and Savior, you are an amazing person. Now, maybe you're an unbeliever. Maybe you don't, don't want anything to do with God and religion, that kind of thing. You're just here out of protest. You're still an amazing person, but for a different reason. You know, all of it good, but I'm just saying the amazing aspect of being a Christian believer is the presence of God in our lives. And that makes a huge difference. Makes a huge difference. Not only is the Holy Spirit the one that brings us to Christ to accept him and, and to embrace him, but the Holy Spirit is the one who gives us, um, you know, the, the, the courage to live a godly life uh, for him. It, the Holy Spirit is the one who enables us to worship. You'll find this in Ephesians chapter 5 um, where, uh, where Paul says, don't be drunk with wine, that's excess and debauchery. He says, no, be, be filled with the Holy Spirit, singing psalms and spiritual songs to one another. It, it's all one sentence in the Greek that when you're filled with the Holy Spirit, you will be singing and praising and worshiping God. See, it's the Holy Spirit that makes our prayer life meaningful. Now, when we pray, you and I don't know how to pray as we ought. 
I know this is true because the Bible says it. This is, this is Romans 8, 27. It says, when we pray, we don't know how to pray as we ought. And that's true. I don't know what to pray for. Should I pray for up or for, for down, for left, for right? Should I pray for this to happen, that to happen? God, God's the only one who really knows what I need. But I pray, look, when you pray, pray the, 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 the earnest feelings of your heart and be honest before God. You're not going to fool him anyway. But the Holy Spirit takes our prayers and translates them into prayers that are in accordance with the will of God because the Scripture says the Holy Spirit makes intercession for us with groanings too deep for words. See, the next time you're, you're trying to pray, you say, I don't even have words to pray. Oh, you know, and you just, you're, you're on the verge of just groaning instead of praying out loud, and, you know, praying with words. Understand, that's when the Holy Spirit's taken over. Transforms your prayer life. You ever hear anybody say, the body is a temple. The body is a temple. You know what Paul meant when he wrote that in 1 Corinthians 6? The actual phrase, your body is a temple of the Holy Spirit. That's what your body is. It's a place where the Holy Spirit resides. Now, that totally changes your understanding of morality and godliness and sanctification and all those other kinds of things when you understand even this body. (laughs) I'm sorry, I was thinking of Groucho Marx, and don't ask me why. I can see you guys are here. Now, what does he mean by that? This is one of those seven degrees of separation. I went from the word body to Groucho Marx, and it wasn't pretty in between there, so. <laughs> come back, yeah, yeah, come back. I'm back. Come on, okay. So, but, but, but here's the thing. You know, your body is the temple of the Holy Spirit. It's a place, a residence where God is working out his glory in you. You may not see that, you know, you may not know that, but the Word of God says your body is the temple of the Holy Spirit, you know, and on and on it goes. The, the Holy Spirit radically transforms our lives, so rather than being sort of on the fringes of the church and sort of being uh, um, uh, just barely uh, tolerating and just coming to be there and leaving and forgetting and all that, it's the Holy Spirit that draws us into the vibrancy and the vitality of life in the body of Christ. And my prayer for you this morning is that you would realize you're, you are an amazing person. You may be living an ordinary life with the ordinary and extraordinary problems of life, but you are an amazing child of God because of the gift of the Holy Spirit in your life. And what that means is there's nothing God can't do in your life for his glory because he already has the resources. So here's what I want you to do, okay? Here we got that. Here's what I want you to do. This week, whenever it pops into your head, just stop and pray, God, help me be surrendered to your Holy Spirit this week. God, just, just let me be, you know, just moldable and malleable and, 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 and let your Holy Spirit influence me. And, and whatever is going on, Father, let your Holy Spirit just work your work in me. And do that, you know, for instance, you know, when you, when you think you get up Monday morning, you go through and you forgot to pray and all that, and you drive in there and you start to pray at the person who cut you off, um, you know, stop and, and say, wait a minute, wait a minute, I, I'm going to pray for the Holy Spirit to take possession of this moment. And, and it'll come to you during the week. And all week long, just remember, I'm, I'm going to pray for a greater yieldedness to the Holy Spirit because that's what makes my life amazing.
It's the work of God by the power of his Holy Spirit. Is that good? Amen. I want to thank you for listening. Uh, I, I, I got a lot out of this, this passage as I was looking at it. There's a lot of different directions to go as you look at the, uh, uh, the theology and the grammar and th- those kinds of things. But, but just what a wonderful story or uh, 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 incident that, that highlights the importance of the Holy Spirit and yet the free gift of God who gives his spirit to all of those who believe in Christ. Just what a wonderful one. Again, thanks for listening. Uh, let's have a word of prayer together and then we'll sing and go home, okay? Let's bow in prayer. And Father, what a marvelous time uh, we have had, not because we designed it, but because you were here. And what a glorious time it is for us uh, just to know that beyond our understanding, beyond our thinking, and, and beyond the limitations of our, of our comprehension, you're working in deep and profound ways in our lives. And so, Father, at those moments when we become discouraged, those moments when we think that we're just living an ordinary life, Remind us of the extraordinary gift of your Holy Spirit that makes our lives amazing in Christ Jesus. We pray in his name. Amen. from